0: Good evening, everyone. So, the second Bible reading for tonight is taken from First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. It's on, you can find it on Pew Bibles on page 1245 or follow along on the screen. So First Timothy chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. This is the word of the Lord. Well, friends, we're going to be looking at this topic. This topic, in fact, builds on what we've been looking at in this series already. So we've been looking at already... Uh, gender, marriage, uh, sex, which was last week, and this really builds on it. So if you are visiting us tonight, it might be worth you, uh, if you have time, you can listen to the talks online. It will help flesh out some of the stuff I will talk about tonight as well. But it's a, it's a fun topic, actually. I actually enjoy thinking about this topic, just because I'm not in the stress of it. But uh, let's pray to God for his help, that we might understand this rightly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us in giving uh, your teachings to us on how we are to relate as men and women uh, inside of marriage and outside of marriage. We pray for much clarity needed on this topic today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what do we make of dating? It's a confusing time because it can be full of joy and excitement, but also at the same time, it can be a source of much stress and heartache and hardship and even heartbreaks. But what is it all for, this dating business? How, is it meant to, how long is it meant to go on for and how far is too far? Now I'm sure these are the type of questions you would have thought about or are thinking about or if you're not thinking about those questions then it means that you're an older folk like myself where we can just sit back, cross our arms, legs up, and watch you young folks stress out and laugh at you and chuckle. But that's not what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to be thinking seriously about this, dating. Dating, you see, is in fact a, quite a modern invention. It really only started about 100 years ago, and it's changed and it evolved lots over that 100 years. In the early 1900s, dating was in fact seen as a public menace. Ever thought about dating that way? It was seen as a public menace. Police and and undercover investigators would, in fact, go out to check out what people were doing on dates and where they would go to make dates. You see, they were concerned that this was becoming like prostitution, you know, sort of free prostitution. Men are paying for women. Taking them out of paying for their meals, paying for their drinks, taking them out to theaters, it seems like prostitution. But the women would say, "We're not getting any payment for, for this. they're just taking us out. And so there was this perception back in the early 1900s, that the women who went out on dates were a bit loose, and some were even thrown into jail. That's how it began. But then as years passed by, it began to be accepted that these dates were different to prostitution, that it was romantic in nature. And it, what it began, really, it, it, it grew the makeup business. That's where the industry took off. Back at that time, only prostitutes and actresses were put on makeup. But then women were starting to put on makeup and the makeup industry took off. Then we get to the 60s, where there is this free love game, do anything, be anything. And then today, there is this no-strings-attached hookup culture. It's changed a lot over those years. But tonight, as Christians, most of us are Christians. If you're not a Christian, these principles are still good for you, so, so do listen in. But for us who are Christians, society has changed so much and we have to understand that dating is a new invention. And so how should our thinking and practice about dating be formed? You see, as Christians, we want to go back to the Bible. That's what we always want to do, go back to the Bible. And what do we find when we go back to the Bible? And ask the question, what does it teach me about dating? Well, we find nothing. Now, does this mean then that we should go back to biblical practices, practices like Genesis 2? What happened there? Adam, he woke up, found a naked lady. He was excited, broke out in song. Is that what we're meant to expect today? That's meant to be funny. I heard a few chuckles, yeah, but it's not what we're meant to expect. Or Genesis 24, like Isaac's servant waiting at the well, and the first woman to come by puts a nose ring on her and claims her as his master's wife. Is that what we're meant to do today? Obviously not. Or Judges 21, what happened there? The tribe of Benjamin, no women left in their tribe, and so what they did to get women into their tribe was that they hid in the vineyard, hiding away. There was this festival where the women, the single ladies, would come out and dance. And when they came out to dance, the men of Benjamin, they would run out, snatch a woman, take them home to be their wife. Now, is that our practice? Is that meant to be our practice today? Of course not. So how are we meant to think about dating? Well, despite what is often said about dating, the Bible, in fact, provides us far more information than we would naturally think. You see, as Christians, uh, what what we want to be is people who are shaped by what God teaches us about relationship rather than than being formed and influenced by the culture and our secular world. And so some of the things you'll be hearing tonight might come across quite countercultural, very countercultural, in fact, but being a Christian is always countercultural. And so tonight I want to begin thinking about the problem of dating in its current understanding. The problem of what has been accepted as the norm and acceptable practice of dating, which really largely comes from the influence of society, of culture, and not from God. So let's try to understand dating as we would normally understand dating. There's a group of people, okay? So they're neighbours, friends, in this neighbour-friend relationship. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, boy likes girl, girl likes boy, feels a bit of romance. Then boy and girl enters into what we call the dating relationship where they become boyfriend and girlfriend. And so keep your hands off. That's our current understanding. Sometimes it doesn't work out and so they go back into the neighbor-friend relationship and then maybe they find another girl or another guy until eventually they find the right match. The guy proposes, they get married, and they enter into what we call the marriage relationship. I mean, that's how we normally understand dating, right? Sounds quite straightforward. So where's the problem? Where's the confusion? Well, the confusion with Christians in particular is because the Bible does not speak of this stage of the dating relationship, then we're left to invent guidelines for it is this a new status in life? How far can I go in this relationship? How committed should I be in this relationship? He said, because it's a somewhat a new stage in life, we have to invent guidelines around those things. And so firstly, let's consider this. When someone starts dating, it's now assumed that they have entered into a new status in society. And so no longer single... Not yet married, but dating, and so boyfriend and girlfriend. And so if I'm a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I'm taken, keep your hands off. But you see, to think that way about dating is a source of confusion, as I'll explain in a moment. So is it a new status? Do you get a new status in society once you start dating? Which leads on to the second problem, because if it is seen as a unique status, then maybe now... Some level of intimacy is permitted. Maybe now some level of intimacy is permitted, but what is that? Often you'll always hear couples, dating couples, how far is too far? How physical can I get? How sexual can I get? What is allowed? We see in the Bible, if you're in the neighbor-friend category of relationships, acquaintances, workmates, peers, colleagues, God is quite clear on what he expects from how single men and single women to relate. And that is, during that period, sexual relations of all kind is prohibited. That's pretty clear from the Bible, right? Single men, single women, how they are to relate, no sexual relations at all, forbidden, not permitted. But then in the marriage relationship, like what we saw last week and a few weeks ago, in the marriage relationship, sexual relations is not only allowed, but it is commanded. Okay, so that's clear. Not allowed when you're single, single man, single woman, in marriage, allowed and commanded. But then what do we do with this period here? This period, this stage, we call the dating relationship. Well, many would say, because you're romantically interested, then some level of sexual expression is okay, as long as it does not go to intercourse. So some level, something is permitted. But then the question is, how much is permitted? Is a goodbye kiss okay? What about a goodbye kiss that goes for 15 minutes? or what about one of those sloppy type of kiss try to I ma- uh, don't imagine that in oh actually <laughs> but where do you draw the line and so the problem then is that what we're left with is we have to draw up these lines what we think is acceptable behavior during this period and whatever line is drawn often it gets pushed one thing will lead to another If this stage is assumed that some level of sexual intimacy is allowed, the line will be pushed. Now, personally, I know of many committed, devouted Christian couples. Because they see their dating relationship as a special status, we're not single, we're not married, we're in between. Because they see it as something special, then they think it permits them to be a bit more physical. And what has always ended up happening was that they've gone more physical than they wanted, doing things reserved for the marriage bed and are left feeling guilty. And so is there a level of intimacy that is permitted during this stage? Now, what makes it even more confusing is this third problem. Because there is assumed this status in dating, because it feels right that something is allowed because there is romance, but at least not all the way, but something, that now, what it means now is that there is an expected level of commitment because it's dating. There needs to be some form of commitment, but how much commitment is required while you are dating? Is it a temporary commitment? Is it a permanent commitment? Or is it for life? Well, you see, again in the Bible, God is quite clear on what type of male-female relationship where commitment is expected, where it is, in fact, demanded and irrevocable. What type of relationship is that? Male-female relationship where commitment is expected, demanded, and irrevocable. Well, it's in the marriage relationship. Their commitment is for life. God has designed marriage so that the promise is for lifelong faithfulness, obligation and responsibility outside of that as friends as neighbors as colleagues as peers there is no commitment by nature of the relationship you see you don't need to make a vow with someone to be their friend just be their friend there is no commitment by nature of the relationship but then we get to this confusing period again what do we make of the dating relationship it's in between. Should there be a level of commitment now? But then how long should that commitment be for? Is it for life? Well, it can't be for life because then that's just like marriage. What can break that commitment while dating? What is it that can break a commitment while dating? Well, really, the answer is anything and everything. Anything can break that commitment. I mean, if I feel attraction towards you today, have feelings towards you today, that might not be there tomorrow. And I can break up that relationship. Hopefully it won't. It might show something of my character. But I can do that. I am not bound by the dating relationship. Do you understand that? My attraction might change. Attraction is not a commitment. Often they're confused. Or if I feel that the relationship has run its course... And I decide I just don't want to date anymore. Hopefully that won't happen. It might show something of my character. But I am not bound by that dating relationship. I am in fact not bound to date at all. It's not a binding relationship. Now there's always something that can become a threat to this relationship, which is not the case in marriage where there is a vow. And that is why it is nonsensical and it is in fact foolish to cohabitate. The, the stats with cohabitation is that half of those who cohabitate, only half will go towards marriage. And then out of those who go on to marriage, 75% of those end up in divorce, not good returns, you see, what this is exposing is that the dating relationship is really a voluntary commitment. It gives the illusion that there is stability and security in the relationship, but there isn't. I mean, the relationship can end any time. In a sense, it's to understand that if that is what it's like, you enter it knowing that is what it's like. It is temporary in nature. There is no promise of anything permanent while dating. It is really only until I tell you or you tell me it is finished. And then it is finished. It is not binding. And so do you see the problem emerging then? You see, there are consequences if you think there is some commitment that is mandatory, that is permanent. Because what has happened is that we now think that dating is like this pseudo-marriage without its responsibilities but wanting its privileges. And this has led to a lot of broken hearts and broken lives and a guilty conscience when it doesn't work out because of what was done sexually and physically. And more often than not, more often than not, it is the ladies who are more likely to be heartbroken when things don't work out. I know that from what I've observed and heard and seen and ministered to. More often than not, it is the ladies who are more likely to be heartbroken. And why? Because there is this false sense of security and stability. And because of that false sense of security, a woman is more inclined to give herself away physically and sexually, even if it doesn't get to intercourse. And a woman is more inclined to be more emotionally attached and dependent. But you're not married yet. But that's, you see, what's happening is opening up your heart and your body to men who have not declared their intentions and probably don't even know what their intentions are. It's giving your heart away to someone who doesn't know what to do with it and perhaps might not even want it yet. Now, counsellors have said of of ladies, of women, when boyfriends break up with them, they say, she's going through the pain of a divorce and she's never been married. Now, I wonder whether you can understand that or have experienced that. It's because she feels betrayed. I thought you loved me. I thought you were committed to me. But, of course, none was given while dating there is no promise. There is no vow. Now, of course, if that is your experience and you have felt an experience that hurt, I do want to say it is sad. It is unfortunate. It's not the way it's meant to be. And, and who's to blame? Well, guys and girls. But the thing to remember is that there is real healing in the gospel. Your, your worth before God has not been diminished. But you see, it is the product of what we have made dating relationships to be, that there is this sense of stability, but there is none. There really is none. Now, Gerard Hindstein, he puts this really well. He says this, and it's in this book, which I recommend to all of you to read, all of you, single, dating, to read. And he says this, it, it, the book title and, and details are on your outline as well. He says this, we seem to be unknowingly taking out of both side, talking out of both sides of our mouths using words such as commitment and trust, while at the same time acknowledge the freedom to break that commitment and trust at any time for any reason. You see how inconsistent it is to talk about commitment and trust, but you can break that any time for any reason. And so when you look at this way of understanding our dating culture, I have a new status, I'm allowed to be more physical but not all the way and that there is this level of commitment, it runs the danger of creating a false sense of security and stability which is not possible outside the promise of marriage. And so when singles give away their hearts all too soon and all too early without realising the temporary and transient nature of this period called dating, This can lead to unnecessary pain and heartbreak. You see, there are problems with our current understanding of dating. Now, that may or may not be your assessment of our dating culture. But I suspect it has influenced us so much that it's hard to assess it. But let me suggest another way, which I think is a more biblical way of understanding dating. The Bible may not prescribe how you move on from being a friend-neighbour relationship to a marriage relationship, but the Bible is very clear on one thing, on many things, but on this, the Bible is very clear on what is expected of men and women outside of the marriage relationship, so that we're not left to invent or even define what is permissible outside of marriage. It's not up to us to define that. And so firstly, looking over those three categories again. When a couple starts a date, you don't actually get a new status. There's no new status in dating. You see, in God's eyes, how many types of male-female relationships are prescribed in the Bible? Well, there's only two. You're either one married That is, you've become husband and wife. There's a change in status there. You've become a husband and wife, and you're you're bound to each other for life. Or you're single. Friends, brother and sister, father, daughter, mother, son, cousins, workmates. You might even be attracted to someone, but you are still single. Your status before God has not changed. No change in status when you start to date. In fact, historically, the word dating refers to just the date on the calendar that, we, that you will go out to meet someone. Date, dating refers to an activity you do with someone, not a status. You go out for meals, you, for drinks, for movies. So you see, dating is an activity you do, not something you become. I think that challenges our way of thinking about or talking about dating. Dating is an activity you do, not something you become. You see, when we make well, when we make it into its own status, then we have to legitimize it by giving boundaries on what we think is okay within that boundary. But when you understand that your status has not changed when you date, you remain a single person before God then how you relate to your neighbor, to your friend, is clearly defined by God. There's no confusion there. It's really just a subset of the neighbor-friend relationship. So rather than a dating relationship, it's really just a dating period. You are still single, still neighbors, still friends, but still single. Do you notice that distinction there? Okay, Single, not dating relationship, but really just a dating period. You see, this challenges how we Christians should behave if you are dating. You see, those who are dating but act like they are married, it's not on. You are not married. You are just dating. You are still single. So don't pretend to be married. Don't always have to be together and do things together. Even if you are married, you don't have to always be together and do things together i mean it, the the whole idea of marriage is not to be inward looking but to be outward looking as well as you love and serve those outside the marriage even more so for dating you're not meant to be just gazing into each other's eyes while those around you just look at you and watch at you with disgust or embarrassment some might not feel that way some might think oh that's cute and romantic but some of us feel oh that's disgusting but anyway You see, you don't always have to be together because you are still single. You have no new status. Don't always have to sit together. I mean, hugging and kissing, you have to think about those things, whether they're things that will make those around you comfortable. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen me hold Yvonne's hand? We're married. I think she loves me, and I love her too. But have you ever seen us hold each other's hands, walking around church, down the aisle, up the aisle, why is because we don't we're thinking about those outside and so when you are dating don't pretend that it's marriage because it's not you're still single because what you do then is that you make it such an exclusive thing but you are still single do not elevate it dating is an activity you do not a status that has changed your status before god is that you are still single far healthier to think about dating in that way. And so this brings us to the next point, and that is there is now far greater clarity when it comes to sexual purity. Sexual purity is not optional. How intimate can I get with someone I'm dating? How far is too far? How sexual can this relationship be? I mean, to ask that question in the first place is really to behave like a Pharisee. How, how much can I get away with? How close to the line can I get to without crossing? Or really, it's a question about how much sin can I get away with? You see, whether you have a romantic interest in someone or not, you are still single in God's eyes. Not yet married. And so how do you think you must behave and treat each other? We think it's confusing, but the Bible is not confused about this. God is not confused about this. Is something permitted just because you like each other? Well, the Bible is very clear on this. Where is sexual relationship sexual um, uh, relationship permitted and even commanded? Well, it is only in marriage. That is quite clear. So what is allowed or permitted during the dating period? Remember, it's not a new status. You are still single. So what is permitted during the dating period? Well, nothing, because it is outside of marriage. It is outside of marriage. God has clearly defined that for us. We're not not needing to create and invent our own lines and boundaries. And so what does that mean? What that means then is that all sexual activity, all sexual activity is reserved only for the marriage relationship. There is no taste of it before that. And so if it is sexual in any way, in nature, while dating, it is a clear no. It is that clear. I'm not confused. The Bible is not confused. And so it, it might mean verbal things, the seductive words. That's not for the dating game. That's reserved for marriage. Or it could be the visual thing, seeing each other, seeing flesh. That's not for the dating time. That's for marriage. It could be visual, imagining things you shouldn't. Or, of course, it can be physical. That is all reserved for marriage. And so all forms of sexual arousal and stimulation to the mind, to the heart, and to the flesh is reserved only for marriage. And so how do you test if it's, if it's sexual? Well, the way you can work it out is this. If you are dating, just imagine that my eyes are always gazing. I'm always watching, always seeing, seeing what you're doing. Would you still do it? Would you be ashamed? Will you go on doing what you're planning to do? I mean, you're at the couch watching the TV, but I'm watching at you. You're in the car, in the car park, having a nice chat. You're talking to each other, looking to each other. I'm looking at you. You're at the movies, watching the cinemas. I, I'm not worry about the cinema. I'm looking at you. I mean, that's what I'll do one day with Esther and <laughs> spy cameras everywhere. But of course, worse than me looking at you, God sees everything, doesn't he? so would you still do it? That is the test. If it's sexual in flavor in any way, that is only for marriage. We can't think that there is this new category where we invent what is okay in this category. If it's sexual in any way, that is only for marriage. But here's a better test. And I reckon this is pretty easy. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1-2. to 2. Treat younger men as brothers... Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Not some purity. Not depends on whether you like the person or not. Absolute purity. Is that clear? It is really clear. God is clear. And so if it is something that you will not do with your brother or sister, a blood relative, if it's gross, to give a goodbye kiss that lasts 15 minutes to your brother, you probably don't do it. If it's gross to give this sloppy type of kiss to your sister, you probably don't do it. Then you don't do that with your boyfriend or girlfriend, unless that's what you actually do with your brother or sister. And that's weird, and we need to have a chat. (laughs) But you see where the line is drawn, where God draws the line. God doesn't draw the line at intercourse he draws it way back if it's sexual that's where the line is drawn if it's stimulating arousing that is where the line is drawn and if you are a Christian this is even more true your brothers and sisters in Christ you're not Brothers and sisters in this dating stage of relationship, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So treat each other with absolute purity. You see, it is when those dating don't take this seriously, it leads to feelings of betrayal and heartbreak when things don't work out. Always leads to heartbreak, and it takes a long time for that heartbreak to mend. But if I think about this, far more significant not just the consequences, if this is what God says, then it is in fact immoral to cross that line. So while you are still single, and that includes all of you who are dating, you are still single. Sexual purity is not optional. So again, if you understand this, there are silly things that Christians should not do, should not do. For example, Going off on holidays alone together. You might say, we we stay in different rooms or on separate beds. Who knows? That's your word. And you've lost your credibility. No longer above reproach. No longer. Or you're spending lots of time alone. Lights off in the bedroom. Well, what that shows is that you've compromised yourself and your special friend. But what's the alternative like? Well, say Jack and Jane in this dating period. They're very clear as Christians that they are still single before God. It's not this new category of relationship where they have to work out what the boundaries are. They are still single before God. They are in this dating period. And so they know clearly we cannot bring forward anything sexual that is reserved for marriage. And we don't want to cloud our friendship by becoming physical. So they're clear on that. Now, if you think about that, that's how I want my daughter to be treated by the guy who wants to date her, with utmost purity. I mean, if a man is like that, who asks my daughter, that's a man with self-control and respect. And if he's not like that, I don't know what I'll do to him. And that is, in fact, how I want my son's to treat someone else's daughter with utmost purity. I mean, that says something about my sons. If they can do that, utmost purity, complete self-control. Now, let's say Jack and Jane, they like each other. They're in this dating period. They're working towards marriage. But if in the end, it just doesn't work out, both Jack and Jane will have nothing to regret. Of course, there are pain. There will be pain. But Jack and Jane will have nothing to regret. And Jane can, with full confidence, with clear conscience, look into Jack's eyes and Jack's future wife's eyes with a clear conscience and without shame. You see, sexual purity while dating is not optional. We're not left to create our own boundaries, so don't dare to do that. Now finally, rather than assume that the dating period demands commitment which it cannot since there is no promise like in marriage where the commitment is irrevocable, it is better to recognise the insecure and volatile nature of the dating period. That's the nature of the relationship. It's just two singles who are interested in each other. You see, attraction is not commitment. Temporary commitment is not real lasting commitment. You have to understand that. It will, it will guard your heart. It will keep your heart safe. You see, this is so that both guy and girl won't pretend that it's a pseudo-marriage and become so emotionally dependent and attached and even physically dependent. Now, this is not to say that there shouldn't be some form of self-imposed voluntary commitment. It comes from me as a guy, comes from the lady as a girl. It's a voluntary commitment, but that the relationship cannot demand it because it is no marriage. There is no vow. And so I can voluntarily choose to date you only and no one else. That reflects on my character, and that is a good thing. But then I choose to invest emotionally, knowing that that this can end any time because there is no vow. There is no real commitment until there is a wedding proposal. Just like the old adage, it don't mean a thing without the ring. I meant to say that with American accent, but I can't just I can't do it. <laughs> it don't mean a thing without the ring. You see, this period itself. Two singles who like each other cannot command total commitment and does not pretend that it does. Very important to understand. And so a word of advice to both men and women. It comes from this book, and I reckon this is, this is excellent stuff. Men, stop being irresponsible. Don't try to win a woman's heart unless you plan on keeping it. This is to the men. Woman, don't give your heart away until you know what he plans to do with it. You see the problem, right? When men and women are irresponsible, it always leads to heartbreak. And women, men have nothing permanent to offer apart from a marriage proposal. Don't settle for less. Very important advice. If you don't heed that advice and things don't go well, you'll be left heartbroken. So in summary, dating is an activity you do, not a status you get. Sexual purity is not optional. And temporary commitment is not real commitment. And so hopefully that gives a bit more clarity on how we're meant to understand this dating period. But now that we've We've understood that. I want to leave you with two principles for dating. Principles I wish I was taught when I was a teenager. Principles I wish I was taught when I started dating. And so these are principles I've learned from my mistakes, but things which I think captures the wisdom of Scripture. And they are these two principles. Date only when marriage is in view. And the second, date only when marriage is in reach. I mean, this is what I'll be teaching my kids. Not yet. They're way too young. Maybe when they're 25 or 30, when I allow them to date, I'll tell them this. But these are the two principles I'll be teaching my kids. You date only when marriage is in view. You see, you don't date to find a girlfriend. You don't date to find a boyfriend. But you're dating to find a wife or a husband. Otherwise, you're playing with hearts, you're playing with lives, and it is irresponsible. And so if you're out only wanting to find a girlfriend or boyfriend, what it shows about you is that you are still too immature to date. Dating is not for fooling around. It is for marriage, and marriage is for keeps. And so if dating is for marriage, then the things you should be looking for in a person is what will make, not a good boyfriend or girlfriend, but what will make a good husband or wife. And so what this means then is that if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, it doesn't really apply, but if you are a Christian, the Bible is pretty clear on who you can marry. No confusion here. 1 Corinthians 7, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. If you are a Christian, it is only moral, not just good, only moral if you marry another Christian. It makes perfect sense and it is also for your good. You see, marriage is difficult enough when two Christian sinners try to live together for life. It is hard enough. But how much harder when one loves the Lord and wants to serve him wholeheartedly, but the spouse either doesn't care about this king, this God, or even hates this Lord. What will end up happening is that if you align yourself with God, you'll want to serve him wholeheartedly you will distance yourself from your spouse and there will be tension in the marriage. Or if you align yourself with your spouse, you will distance yourself from God and there will be tension in the household. And what's worse? What's worse is this. And that is, if I am married to the person I love most in this world, but to know that this person will not be going to heaven... With me. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. I don't know how I can live with that. So don't put yourself in that situation. But it's all too common seeing and hearing that these things do happen. I hear from many who are married to non Christians, it is very lonely. They say to me, and even last week, just last week, I heard from uh, 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 a woman. She said it feels like being a single parent. She's married, but she said it feels like being a single parent because she takes her kids to church alone, prays with the kids alone, disciple the kids alone. It's a lonely spiritual walk. That's why the Bible makes this clear. It is clear on this. If you are a Christian, you only marry Christians. And it naturally makes sense. That if dating is for marriage and dating is headed into that direction, make it easier and be wise. Make it easier for yourself. Date someone who already loves and serves the same Lord. Don't live in that fantasy where you think you'll be able to convert this boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, God may. It's not up to you. God may, but don't bet on it. Date someone who will be willing to reflect the pattern of marriage in Ephesians 5 of Christ and the church. And so if marriage is in view, who then should you be looking for? Well, here is some advice, a word to the blokes verse. Well, blokes, if you want to get married, you have to expect that it may never happen. You have to expect that you might remain single. And that is okay, perfectly okay. And we'll talk about singleness next week. But if you want to get married, then win a lady over by the godliness of your character and your Christian convictions. Not in the sense of putting on a show, but by being godly all the time. That will be attractive. You see, not many ladies are impressed by muscles. Not many at all. There may be some, but not many. I mean, do you think Yvonne was won over by my good looks, my charm, my muscles? Of course not. (laughs) And she still reminds me today, I find nothing attractive about you physically. (laughs) And I still feel okay, I'm not insecure. (laughs) And so guys, win the lady over by the godliness of your character and your Christian conviction. A simple test I tell the ladies, who you should look out for in a husband. And that is, if you blokes can't even manage to do a simple thing, like turning up to church on time or even early, it does not give much confidence in your responsibility to look after a family and to lead it spiritually. If you can't even do a simple task, what, what confidence is there that you can lead a family? But if you are on time, this is just a simple test I, I tell the ladies. If you're on time, always there, always willing and wanting to serve, always wanting to care and love at your own cost, that is very attractive to a lady. Win a lady over by your character and your Christian convictions. Second, also to the blokes, don't go out hunting and thinking that you need to find this someone who will be this awesome match for you. And don't even think about finding the one whom you think God has set aside for you. That's just not how it works. Rather, the way you decide is not whether she is right for me. The way you wisely decide is whether I'm right for her. You see, if marriage is in view, then I must consider, can I be a husband to this lady? Am I willing to lay down my life each day for this lady, to love her, to make sacrifice, sacrifices for her for life? Am I willing to do that? Can I be a good husband to her? You see, it's a flipping of the question. Not whether she's right for me, but whether I'm right for her. That will help you decide whether she's the one to marry. You see, if we're all thinking about whether she's right for me, it's a very selfish way to think about marriage, and you'll lead to problems. Third, also to the blokes, and that is, be a man. Be a man, that is, don't play around with the lady's heart. I mean, I hear of many ladies with broken hearts and it is, it is not nice. Not nice at all. It takes a long time to heal. So men, don't play around with a lady's heart. The time to bring on romance is not right at the beginning. The time to bring on romance is when you're ready to bring on the ring. The time that you're ready to bring on romance is when you're ready to bring the ring. Not early on but when you have a plan for commitment. That's to the blokes. Now to the ladies. First, that is if you want to get married, but you have to realise that you may never marry and you might remain single for life, and that is perfectly okay. In fact, that is, in fact, better, as we'll look at next week. But if you want to get married, likewise, win the guy over by your character. The beauty of your character. Do not rely on your outward beauty. If the only thing that a guy finds attractive about you is your outer beauty, just let me be blunt, and that is, that is not safe. Not safe at all, because there will always be someone who's more attractive than you. And your beauty, whether you realize this or not, will change with age. Some get more beautiful, but not always. Win a guy over by the beauty of your character. And what that means is that you'll be attracting the right type of guys. If you're only thinking about outward beauty, you'll attract the wrong guys. Win people over by your bea- the beauty of your character. And second, that is just like with the guy, don't merely think... Is he right for me? But whether I am right for him? You see, if marriage is in view, then I must consider can I be a wife to this man? Am I willing to respect this man? I have to show him respect if I'll marry him. Will I be willing to submit to him as the God ordained head of the family? If I can't do that, then he's not the right guy. It might take some time to work out, but you do want to work that out. Can I be a good wife to him? That will help you decide whether he is the one to marry or not. And there's no need to wait around for a sign from God or a soulmate. God has given us biblical principles and wisdom on this, so use that wisdom. So first principle, date when marriage is in view. The second principle is this, date when marriage is in view. Reach. You want to get married, but also make sure it's also in reach. That is, you're close to being able to get married. You can be independent. You're you're able to support a family only when it is in reach. You see, if if, if I'm a 12 year old boy and I want to date, and I think I'm I'm dating for marriage, but the reality is that my 12 year old sweetheart is not going to agree anytime soon, and will be dating for at least 10 years or so and that is just like playing with fire the longer the period of dating that the more dangerous it becomes and that's why in song of songs we read this do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires you see once love has been aroused it wants to go somewhere it's like lighting a fire it wants to burn and love wants to be properly consummated. But the dating time, that period, is not a time to touch that. It wants to be consummated. But if the dating period is a long time, that will put pressure on your heart and on your purity. And so I start dating when marriage is in reach, in view and also in reach. To not do so is to play with fire and someone is going to be burnt. You see, it's arousing romantic love in our hearts before our ability to properly consummate such love in marriage. And that's why only in reach. And so in the end, I want to leave you with these two things. Guys, don't be so irresponsible to try to win a woman's heart before you know what you plan to do with it that's for the guys girls don't be irresponsible to give your heart away to a man who has not pledged to keep it and that will keep both your hearts safe let's pray heavenly father we thank you for how you have designed us for relationship We thank you also for how you've made clear the boundaries for our relationships in marriage and outside of marriage. And we pray, Lord, that you might help those here who are dating to be wise and to conduct their friendship with utmost purity. We pray for all singles that all will trust in your good purposes, whether that might end up in marriage or not. And we pray also for your forgiveness for those who have failed. Help us to live lives now that are aligned with your wills for us in Christ, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, John. We've just got a few. Uh, we've got a few questions that we'll go through. We've got a little bit of time, so if we can get the first question up, so uh, how does anything change about how a couple? Uh, relates when they get engaged or betrothed, how are they to act? So we had, I think it was six questions that were about engagement. Yep. Missed, yep. so. The difference with engagement and just the dating period is that now there is a proposal, and once the proposal is made, the period of engagement, the period of engagement is really to organise the wedding, and hopefully that will be quick, won't be long, so that you're not extending the time where the fire is burning. So it is different because there is a proposal, which means there is now the intention, we're going to get married, it's going to be soon, let's make sure it's not too long. So it is different, but then again, you're still single. You're still single there, and so sexual intimacy in any way is still out of bounds. And that's why you want to keep it short. Now you know, we're going to get married, we can do all that, but we're still single. But what's different is that there is a proposal. And so Something we have to be careful with engagement is that engagement is no longer the time to vet each other out. That should have been done before engagement. Once you're engaged, it is a beeline to marriage, not not to work each other out anymore. And so, engagement that have broken up, well, it's good that's broken up because worse to get married and marrying the wrong person, but you shouldn't have got engaged in the first place. Okay, so there is a difference but sexual purity remains the same, you are still single. Good, thanks. Uh, Next question. Uh, If dating is simply an activity, not a commitment, is it fine to date multiple people at the same time? Yeah. So this is a a good question because on one level, it does show your character, doesn't it? (laughs) And so hopefully that will make clear with the other person. But the reality is that you don't even need to get into this dating business any time too soon. Just spend time around them and with them as friends. That's how you get to know each other best. Call a dating much later on. Leave that to later. Know the person really well first. Not on the first, you know, eye contact. I find that person attractive. We're going to start dating, and you don't even know that person. That's just that's just silliness. Okay, leave the dating to later. Get to know the person. Um, but if you are dating, then then. The commitment comes voluntarily. It is self imposed. The relationship cannot demand it because you are still single. Okay? Good, thanks. And final question Is it possible to get married too quickly in a relationship? Yeah, if you're 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can rush into it and be foolish. So you want to think through those things that I spoke about. Am I the right husband for that lady? Am I the right wife? to that man, and the principles there are outlined in, in our marriage talk, how a husband and wife are to relate, so you need to know that, be serious and mature about that, and, 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 and if you know that, if you're actually mature, really mature Christian, you you lived a while, uh, quite a while as a Christian, you've grown, you're, you love the word of God, you're, you're keen about loving and serving God first, and both of you are like that, you can actually get married quite instantly, and that's fine, because you have that commitment there, And you know what the pattern is and you'll work towards that with God's help. So it it depends on the maturity. Excellent. Good. Thanks. I'm sure you might have lots more questions. We've got a lot of questions um, coming in